Hey guys, welcome to the Team Sports Podcast. Today I'm joined by my friends and colleagues Arjun and Rono. Our guest today is Praveen. So to get us started off, Praveen, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about who you are and how you got into sports. Okay, uh, that feels like an interview question. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> can I make it? I'll, I'll do the best that I can. Uh, I'm Praveen. I'm basically from Chennai. Uh, I did all of my schooling in Chennai and uh, I did my undergrad in uh, NIT Trichy, uh, specializing in instrumentation and control. Uh, I've pretty much uh, done track and field all my life. Uh, like Since I was three years old, I probably just started running all over the place and they figured out that I had a lot of energy that could be used somewhere else. So they put me on track and field. Uh, since then, it's, 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 it's almost like a love affair. I, I still follow it um, every single day. I, I, I love to uh, keep in track with what's happening. Um, I also help a friend to train here. So that's how uh, athletics came uh, into my life. And I think in my undergrad, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was consistently pursuing track and field as the captain of the team. And at some point I realized that uh, this is kind of what I wanted to do in my future. Like I wanted to get into sports science. Um, uh, and not not just with track and field, like through that, I, I understood the science of sports and it, it really intrigued me. It, it was like, it's it's not something simple. There are a lot of combinations, a lot of factors that come into play. So then I figured, okay, why not do that? Why not try to study something related to that and pursue a career with that? Um, but it, it, I mean, it's kind of on the crossroads now. <laughs> Uh, I mean, th- things have changed a little bit. There are a lot of different uh, things now. I'm not working just with sports science right now. I'm working with a lot of other things too. But it still remains something that I'm uh, really passionate about and spend the majority of my time with. Okay. So, uh, so you're talking about working with sports science. So, how how do you get to w- what you're doing right now, uh, like working with sports science? And in what capacity are you working with sports science? Because you're talking about how you're, you've always been interested in like um, track and field and that kind of got you to where you are. But um, if you can go into what you're kind of doing and how you got that. So currently I'm doing a master's in kinesiology at Michigan State University. Uh, so to broadly put it, I would say sports science is one of the facets that people look at under kinesiology. Right? So kinesiology basically is the study of movement and it can range... Uh, uh, anything from you know physiology, sports physiology to normal physiology, to neuroscience part of movement, to the biomechanics part of movement, to strength and conditioning, rehab, motor coordination, all of these things, right? So, uh, sports science probably majorly comes under the biomechanics part of it. So, okay. <clears throat> so that's that's majorly what I do, and yeah. Uh, I think I, I would say that when I say I work with sports science a lot, I would I mean to say that I work with biomechanics quite a lot. Right. Okay. Right. So, so can you elaborate how like on biomechanics in sports science? So biomechanics as so you, you said like biomechanics in kinesiology is just one part of kinesiology. You said that kinesiology kind of spreads yeah, yeah. across Absolutely. like neuroscience and uh, yeah, a bunch absolutely. of them. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, no. So keep going. So I I think biomechanics is more like the study of uh, the movement of biological systems, the mechanics of it. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of uh, different uh, how do you say it? A lot of different uh, ways that we can look at human movement, uh, like uh, motion capture, uh, force force plates. Uh, IMUs, a lot of these things. Uh, so all of those come under biomechanics. So I guess that's what I mean when I say biomechanics. Um, just just to understand a bit more about the sports science as a field, um, mm-hmm. when you say, uh, when you talk about biomechanics, is it the only facet in sports science or is there like, is it much more, it's, is it more vast than that? Like, are there more things that people can do if you if you talk about sports science? I would say biomechanics is probably the major facet of sports science, right. probably because uh, businesses depend on that. Like, let's take um, Nike, for example, like uh, the sports science lab is 
probably one of the most famous ones and uh, probably most coveted ones so they you they they take data from the athletes that they sponsor try to make products out of it so i would say there is more monetary benefit out of biomechanics and sports science so i think when you look at sports science almost always you will be looking at some some form of biomechanics but okay. it doesn't mean that that is the only thing that comes under sports science because uh, like essentially it is when i say sports science i just like to think it of the science of sports right so it can it can be almost anything but uh, let's say training an athlete you you take them to the weight room and train an athlete like only if you know what's happening inside his body the science of it you will know how to train him you will know how to uh, what kind of nutrition he should be taking uh, what kind of uh, rest he should be given so almost everything broadly falls under sports science but i guess in in a colloquial way when you say sports science it, they mostly always talking about biomechanics okay so um uh, okay so my question is you as a student of kinesiology right so you're doing your masters in kinesiology currently right so mm-hmm. for a student with a masters in kinesiology what would like uh, so you said nike does a bunch of work uh, has like the best sports science facility so mm-hmm. you as a student of kinesiology working at nike what is it that you would be doing what what is it that you would be providing to nike as a service as someone that is has studied that subject okay uh so again uh, i i like the classify sports science into two things probably the design side of things and also let's say the athlete side of things so nike probably falls under the design side of things so uh, uh there's a very beautiful video i can probably send you guys the link later uh Uh, it's basically about nike sports science lab and what are all the infrastructure uh, they've got so one of the main things is probably motion capture uh, 3d motion capture so you have um, reflective retro reflective markers stuck all over the body and you've got uh, high speed uh, motion capture cameras that can uh, basically capture all of these markers uh, and it is basically just to understand movement what kind of force you pro- you're producing in that particular joint or how how is the way that you move is that efficient is it inefficient is there a better way to move uh then something like a force plate for example so a force plate is basically just a, a some sort of piece of electric material on the ground and it can take uh, force data in three dimension so so for example let's say i'm a high jumper for example so and uh, i jump off the first plate i can see what kind of force i'm putting into the ground uh, am i am i putting it in the right direction am i putting it uh, more in the z direction or in the x and y uh, axis so all of all of those things uh, um then also there are environmental chambers uh, where they try to mimic uh, let's say the next olympics is in tokyo and let's say the weather during tokyo olympics is at a certain level uh they try to mimic that whether inside the chamber and uh, test athletes and see how they're performing and how they can make changes with the 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 apparel that they're wearing with the shoes that they're wearing according to that uh i know nike also has a copper mannequin where they put on the wearables that whatever they produce they put it on the copper mannequin and uh, see uh, how the wearable uh, goes on in different temperatures with sweat resistance also wear and tear how all of these things happen um body armor uh, sorry under armor has a 3d body scanner for example so they scan all of their athletes and based on your body composition they make all of these wearables so yeah i mean it's it's a pretty wide field but i think one of the very common things will always be motion capture the 3d motion capture and force plates like they are the most commonly used Uh, once in uh, sports science lab so as uh, as someone who has a ms in kinesiology oh. i would what i would be doing is uh, measuring uh, like making sure that the motion capture goes on right looking at the data and making sense of it what what changes can be made uh, how can i help the athlete to perform better uh, how can i help make better footwear better apparels better products so yeah that, that, that's how that that would be yeah. my role in there She's um, it's quite interesting. Uh Praveen, just coming back a little bit um before we move forward. You said you did engineering in your undergraduate degree. 
right? And uh, I know because you're from India and I understand the certain path that is almost predecided from before. Um, how did you decide to go into this direction in terms of kinesiology uh, as your master's and further studies? And um, what information did you require whilst you were making this transition in from doing engineering to this? So what were the things that were going around your mind and the main questions and, and things that you had to answer for yourself to make this, this switch? Uh, I think the first one was, uh, would I make enough money to get food every day? <laughs> so, because, I mean, it is still not a very uh, big field, I would say. It's an upcoming field. So, And I think the second biggest thing that ran my mind was, was I qualified enough? Because almost all of my sports and knowledge back in my undergrad was from reading books, reading magazines, all of those things. So I've never, I had never been in a real case scenario where uh, sports science happened or I've never come in contact with someone who used to work in sports science. So I think those were the two biggest uh, questions in my mind. Um, but in terms of access, in all of uh, getting in touch with people, I would say I was pretty privileged to, to have a pretty good uh, network where I could get in touch with somebody who's done this before uh, or you know get in touch with professors in colleges in the US all of that so that at least helped me give a better idea of things um, but yeah I think the, uh, the, the transition from engineering to kinesiology was probably the biggest challenge right well, are, are skills transferable because uh, from what you were talking about kinesiology um, and the work you would do post your degree, it mm -hmm. sounded like a bunch of statistical modeling and things like that. Right. Um, and so I'm guessing, so, so does that tie back to your engineering degree? Would you, would it help to have been, I'm guessing like with engineering, it comes a certain quantitative prowess. So you think that kind of helps you or puts you in a position mm -hmm. that would um, help you be better at your job going forward? Yeah, I think uh, there, are, there are certain aspects that, where you definitely have an upper hand uh, having an engineering background. And that coming from me is something because I'm not a really good engineer. Like I, I, I pretty much just uh, bunked most of my classes in undergrad and just made sure that I got my degree. And like most of my spend was, uh, most of my time was spent in the ground, uh, in the stadium. So that's how it went. But it definitely gives you a an upper hand in terms of understanding the technicalities and um, how things work. Like for example, let's take uh, EMG sensors, for example. So uh, EMG sensors are basically the ones that measure the activity in your muscles, like the electric activity in your muscles. So for when, when you look at the signal, uh, I feel as someone, uh, I, I'm not really good at digital signal processing again. I, I got good after I came here because I wanted to understand things better. But as someone who had a background in it before, it was easier for me to understand things. It is easier for me to understand why why things were done the way that they were done. Like why why, why you apply uh, some sort of, uh, why do you apply a filter? Or what is what is Fourier? Like understanding all of those things. Uh, like I didn't have a huge learning gap that way. But I did have a huge learning gap in, in other aspects, but not in the technical aspects of things. So definitely had an upper hand there. Uh, but yeah, it is still a learning curve. You still have to learn a lot of new things. Okay. So, so uh, just before we finish on this, so coming back to like you said, um, when you were making the transition, you talked about how there were a lot of professors in the States that you could speak to. But did you have people around you or professors around you at the time um, that could help you and guide you and give you information? Um, no, actually no. Okay. It was more a leap of faith. At, at yeah. times it felt like a leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. But how's your experience been so far? How, uh, how long are you into your course? Uh, it's been two years. Okay. Yeah, I have one more one more uh, semester where I have to defend my thesis, but um, I might also intern and then defend my thesis. So kind of because of COVID, everything is 
kind of uh, not not sure with a lot Indian, of things yeah yeah um maybe uh, before we move on to like your work experience with your internship or what projects you've done in in university or you know your work experience after university a uh, one thing that you said earlier got my attention was that you're training someone um an athlete um can you tell us a, yeah yeah can you tell us a bit about uh, the this experience for you as um, a trainer rather than the athlete you know i'm yeah. sure it's like very different yeah uh, so i uh, i don't train an athlete per se so okay. i have a friend here who's uh, the coach of a uh, high school here he's our coach of the track and field team here okay so then we just started talking and then uh, we both discovered that we are super into uh, track and field so then he uh, he asked me if i could volunteer with him to to train uh, the team so i volunteer with him whenever i get the time but yeah i i think one of the biggest differences i saw was in terms of infrastructure like i, I remember yeah. the first time we drove down there uh, i remember him telling uh, i mean i mean my high school so he graduated from the same high school so he told me that uh, you know my high school is not that big it's one of the smallest smaller ones in michigan and i remember going there and being this is a smaller one like <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> because they 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 had uh, like two uh, indoor uh, courts basketball volleyball they had a proper synthetic uh, athletics court they had a uh, the american football stadium baseball stadium i'm like this is by no means far uh, so it is i mean in terms of infrastructure it's very clear but i also understand that this is sort of the base infrastructure here yeah Our, almost all schools are expected to have something like this so i think after a point of time it wasn't so shocking and in terms of training uh, in terms of uh, the transition from an athlete to a coach uh, i i it wasn't too hard for me probably because uh, in my third and final year i've i'm always used to like helping my team out team out training them and uh, preparing workouts for them and helping them out so it wasn't that hard for me personally uh, what i saw though was that uh, sport as was more of a uh, more of a commitment here after school than it was back in india right it uh, i have never seen parents here come to children and say listen you've got to go back and study uh, like you can play later it's uh, parents are extremely involved where it sometimes it gets to the point that parents call coaches and ask ask the coach why their children haven't played this game or that game why they're not being on the starting team culture is so, very different yeah yeah but of course it does have its pros and cons it is sometimes i feel uh, children here are pressurized to perform in sport because yeah. that's that's like getting to stardom but yeah it does have its pros and cons but even that pressure is a good thing at times right if you want to get to the top level you need that pressure driving you yeah but i this is what i feel like uh, pressure is good but what matters is how uh, people react to pressure yeah yeah if you if you put pressure on an olympian he's probably going to re- react a different way than a, than a normal person hmm. so this is where uh, it's things like sports psychology come into play right like i'm i'm very interested in in sports psychology of boxing like because what happens when you're getting heavily hit and how do you react to that right because that is probably the biggest test there is it's not just playing a game and performing you've got to perform if you don't perform you're going to get constantly hit and you might get knocked out so yeah. how do you think that way so how do they uh, react to pressure and i've seen that one common theme among, among a lot of elite athletes is how they react to pressure and i don't think that's 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 the normal uh, way that uh, any person reacts to pressure yeah. so i think what matters is how we put the pressure and uh, think if uh how how the reaction is going to be to no i think all fight sports have like i i think that's what's unbelievable about fight sports is where you really see people get punished so i i think that's why sports psychology comes in like the hardest because any mistake leads to you being physically hurt right and exactly. so to kind of understand and, and even in boxing when you have like that mm-hmm. 10 10 second count right when yeah. you're on the like you hit the canvas you have the ref counting to 10 and you have to kind of convince yourself to get back up 
and maybe take a few more of those hits before like the round ends and you can kind of calibrate again i feel like yeah that is that is super interesting because it's yeah. it's so like primal right like exactly you, it's if you make extremely a mistake, primal you, yeah and yeah, it also it also comes down to how much you want to win like so you get knocked out what are you going to do next are you uh, do you because you are basically all your sensory systems are compromised at that point like your brain is uh, forcing you to shut down but you are getting up with wobbly legs and you are trying to somehow survive the run so how do you react at that point i think those are all pretty interesting questions of themselves yeah becomes a a case of pure desire at that point to try and survive and when there isn't any um anything else that drives you more than your yeah. desire to win and there is also the difference of how you react there right for example you get up there are some boxers who are stupid enough to go and immediately want to get it back and get knocked out again and there are some who are smart enough to understand their body and know okay i can probably get back in the fight now or i probably need a little bit more time to get yeah. back in the fight so i'm just probably going to be a little defensive avoid the punches wait for the round to end go back to my corner uh, and 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 then next turn i'm going to start fresh so how how you react there is no no specific winning formula here right i've seen boxers who got in knocked down and then they immediately come back the same round and knock the other person out and there are people who've come back and got a knocked down again and never got up so there's no specific winning formula but it's more of understanding yourself and understanding what works for you and and all of those things and i think that's that's, a, that's an interesting point to raise praveen uh, sorry rick um about how much an athlete knows his or her own body mm-hmm. so when you talk about the the biomechanics and the things that you use to try and help athletes right is this something um you think should be given as much importance so that an athlete knows his or her body that well because we know quite a few athletes know that there is a sports science section and there is a lab and i must do this to enhance my performance but that's it they're just following the lead of the coaches without really taking in the information themselves and knowing what's good for themselves so how much emphasis do you think that an athlete or you as a coach should place on the athlete to know his or her own limitations strengths weaknesses etc okay uh, i i probably want to break this up into two parts right i think when we say giving athletes information i would tend to think of it as giving them data like sports science data right uh, and i think that is a little different for, different from mindfulness so uh, being mindful of the situation how you react to it uh so one i don't essentially believe in the fact that you 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 don't you never dump your athlete with a lot of data it, you know it's almost overwhelming to somebody who's been trained as a sports scientist to look at all of the data and there is always this uh this principle that if you give your athletes too much feedback they become too dependent on the feedback and that's not how you want to train an athlete you want to give them little feedback where they know that they have to make the change and let them make the change and learn it for themselves and that's how it sticks so yeah that way uh, i don't essentially believe that you we have to give athletes a bunch load of the data uh, stick to like i would i would always have the coach look at the data and then change it uh, to however it fits the athlete like i prefer that but in terms of mindfulness i think that's something that you don't really uh it's it's not a learned skill you know what i mean like when you yes, can't teach it it's something that comes from inside or inherent that way yeah like you yes you do do a lot of things to stay mindful uh, like almost every olympian has uh, techniques where they envision themselves uh, like and see how they react all of these things help mindfulness uh there's even a series on the olympic channel about mindfulness a lot of uh, olympic uh, olympians uh, i think even pv sindhu is in there she talks about uh, envisioning things and how it helps her when she gets on to the big stage uh but yeah i think uh, uh, i think in in terms of things with the mind uh nothing is certain there's there's no such thing as you do this you get that right you can't really teach those things uh it just happens right so i i have a question to you that is uh from personal experience so as someone who has 
suffered a serious injury so i i i played football for a majority of my life and i yeah i tore my acl right completely okay. and so i wanted to know uh, the importance of biomechanics in then rehabilitation right in in a more physiotherapeutic sense uh, mm-hmm. so where would that come in and i want you to talk about injuries per se and where you okay. would come in and how yeah. you treat them okay uh, this is pre- pretty interesting because i had a friend who uh, worked in uh, acl rehab i mean his research topic is in acl it is still one of the major uh, topics in rehab research in biomechanics uh, because it's probably the most uh, probably the most in terms of injuries uh, acl test so one of the things that uh, he used to do is make the person uh, take the motion capture first uh make them walk do a couple of uh, activities and then uh, look at uh, the force plate data ask them to do a couple of jumps and see uh, uh if if there is an imbalance something of that sort uh and then uh, uh, post that what happens is he gives them a small uh, set of workouts that they have to do every single day uh like that is geared towards rehab and uh, they basically have to log it in every single day they are all home workouts and then after a certain period of time they come back and the same test is done again and the the point of the research was to see if home rehab was possible for acl injuries and how much of a difference it makes so uh, those sort of things uh, let's say let, let's put it this way right i think there is a need to quantify anything and with with injuries or with motion only if we quantify we know what works like and that's where i think biomechanics comes into rehab like we say rehab but what exactly is rehab because i know that i felt good while jumping today tomorrow i might not feel good while jumping these are all qualitative terms so if you if you're going to look at it quantitatively biomechanics is, is the only way that you can look at human movement in a quantitative way right right you think you can uh, you think you can get me that research i think i need it Okay, sure, yeah. I'll, I'll get in touch with it. I think there's a huge body of research uh, with respect to ACL. Yeah, like it is probably the one that gets the most funding for rehab research. Yeah, I think I was overwhelmed with a bunch of research, and then I was just like, "This, I, I, I can't follow this much information." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, it, 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 it can get super overwhelming. Uh, like I remember coming in the first semester, and I couldn't understand most of the terminologies that they used. like us like what's in vivo what's in vitro what's afferent neuron what's yeah. efferent neuron I'm like what are you guys talking about and i remember every time i had to read a research paper i would just uh, open like open my laptop next to me and just google terms google terms write down write down and it it takes some i, I don't think uh, i i don't think science especially kinesiology is geared towards uh, making the common person understand what's happening and uh, i i yeah. i'm not really a supporter of that i would like science to be used by everybody but yeah it, it that's that's just how it's going right now so so it's great that you say that because i feel like it it allows for us to make a great segue into you talked about how engineering as a subject helped you in certain ways with your degree so i'm going to ask you how what do you think someone entering into kinesiology as a as their masters or as their uh, a field of study what do you think they should have as like basic skills or like educational qualifications what do you think they should have as like minimum requirements to get there i would i i honestly don't think anybody needs like a basic qualification uh, as far as i've seen here i if if people probably made me take a test on kinesiology my first semester i wouldn't have even passed it like i i don't think i had the basic qualifications but if as long as you're ready to learn as long as you're uh, it's going to be a lot of new things it's going to be a lot of uh, it's it's going to be a whole different world like there are times when i've i've heard my professor say something and thought about it i'm like wait my body actually does that how did i not know this for such a long time like there have been so many things like uh, as, as a simple thing like how my muscles contract just blew my mind so there are a lot of things like that it it is a huge learning curve but 
i think as long as people are ready to put in the work that's fine like you're going to get through um but yeah there are a lot of pros and cons with it that comes with it like but in terms of just the science part of it i i, I really love it i really like it cons might probably be in terms of things like visa issues all of that but yeah that that depends on every single country those are all factors that uh, we can't really change a lot yeah in terms of pointers you'd give to a student who's pursuing like who wants to get into a career in sports science whether maybe you can tackle this in two parts uh number 1 if it's possible to do it locally in india mm-hmm. and number 2 if not uh what what are the options abroad um, regardless of the visa point of view that's that's uh not specific to this degree it's it's uh, all whatever you pursue you have the visa problem to deal with right mm-hmm. so just in two parts first uh, india what would you what's your opinion about this field in india uh i would say it is it is an upcoming field uh but it's probably not as well established as in most uh, european or in uh, european countries or in the us probably because a sports is almost a, a big time commodity here so there are huge investments into sports and as a result sports science has developed a lot so now i guess lately with uh, the advent of ipl uh, like isl all of those uh sports science is slowly picking up uh like definitely people are talking more about it in india uh, in terms of colleges I, I, there are a couple of colleges but uh there is the iast in pune i know that they offer an online diploma in sports science uh i was initially thinking of taking that before coming here so that i would have a better qualification for it but i never kind of found the time uh, there are also a couple of uh colleges uh Uh, like I, i know university of punjab university of delhi have uh, department of sports science but uh, as far uh, so this was i read about these back when i came here so in 2018 i'm not sure if a lot has changed now but uh, back then the sports science used to be more geared towards physical education right not not towards the technical aspects of sports science like uh, uh, we are talking about but more towards physical education like more towards coaching more towards uh, uh, being a physical mm-hmm. educator etc um, i know that uh, the css the center of sports science uh, it's in ramachandra university in chennai they have a really uh, good biomechanics lab uh, i've been there personally so i know that for sure they work with a lot of uh, cricketers and uh, rowers uh, that's probably one of the state of the art uh, biomechanics lab in india uh and i know that they also offer sports therapy uh, physiotherapy and sports nutrition courses uh but i'm not but it's basically a medical institution so i'm not sure what kind of prerequisites they have for joining the courses but i think as far as uh studying in india and having a career there i am not so sure uh with respect to sports science because it is still an upcoming field yeah and uh i would i would say that probably the only sport right now that that might put in uh, decent amounts of money into sports science will be cricket yeah right like so because of the high amounts of funding uh, I, that, that is it i mean i don't mean to deter anybody from doing it but if uh, if you're considering if you're doing the pros and cons and if monetary benefit is going to be one among the columns then i would say it's a little bit of a con to be doing it in india but you never know what's going to happen in the next 4 or 5 years so i mean fingers crossed yeah but as oh. as far as working uh, like doing the degree in india uh, i probably wouldn't advise that because I, as far as i know that's that's the only biomechanics lab i know that's really good so i would suggest if it's possible to go out and do the course at least so that way you you get exposed to all of the infrastructure uh, latest equipments all of that and uh, personally i felt it's it's a better learning curve for me here so yeah right uh, what about um 
uh, so you speak about how it's not a great uh, job opportunity uh, like job opportunities in india aren't great because you said there's one biomechanics lab that's state of the art that you know mm-hmm. um let's talk about your experience in the us uh, from going there what do you think of uh, since you're fairly deep into your program what do you think of job opportunities there what what is like what are the corporate opportunities that you get there alumni from college, from your college that you probably spoken to that have mm-hmm. done your course what do you think the program is like there uh in in my university it's more geared towards education because the department of kinesiology in michigan state is under the college of education so it's more geared towards uh, people who want to become professors uh, get into academia get into research uh personally for me i would like to get into research i'm not uh, i like academia but i'm not super into it right now at least i i like to be more into the research side of things um and so i think with with biomechanics there it just doesn't have to stop with the sports science side any any sort of biological signal if if you know how to use it how to analyze it uh, and what it means if you can understand those things there is you i think the field of opportunity just widens after that point uh right so with respect to sports science i would say you can the 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 employers are pretty much well known like nike adidas um, under armour brooks puma almost all of these uh companies have a sports science lab in order to uh you know get input from athletes and to design their products there are also a couple of private labs that use sports science to train athletes but they are majorly into strength and conditioning and training athletes um so like i said if if you probably broaden your field a little bit let's say uh like for example my lab works with eeg emg i and and as due to that i also learned to work with ekg data so so that opens up a lot of uh, companies which work in the medical field like medical diagnostics uh, all of those so that's that widens up your field a little bit but again uh, i think nobody comes into kinesiology with the idea that you know there is going to be a job left right and center that's not the case and i think almost anybody who gets in knows that uh, and yeah but there are opportunities and as long as you have the skill set for it i think you can find one Do you, do you notice a, a greater importance given by major sports teams and organizations into sports science now? I mean, I know it's yeah. developing, but then I'm looking at like different sports. Let's say football and um, basketball, NFL. Do you think the major clubs, major organizations are now emphasizing on sports science a lot more? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's it's come to a point where uh, the need to quantify things uh, has. has made companies or like brands uh, get into sports science like uh, especially let's let's take a, a basket let's take uh, the golden state warriors for example last season all three of their athletes were injured uh, during the uh, last stage of the nba so like curry was injured clay thompson was injured uh, kd was injured so then there comes this question right you invested so much in your players and they're getting injured so how can i quantify this and make sure that they're not getting injured so uh, i'm not i'm not saying that by do, by using sports science you're going to avoid an injury entirely but i think this is just an example of how by quantifying things you have a better idea of of what way things are going and and not just that there is also the sports analytics part of things like uh, which person fits in better um, like who who has a who has a better chance of playing this game who will fit in better for this game according to the strategy all of those things so yeah definitely sports science is definitely being used more uh, now than before and i i think there will soon come a time where almost every club every team that we know of will be using sports science in some form or the other it's it's almost inevitable at this point because when when you want to have that edge over the other team then you've yeah. got to use everything at your disposal yeah
um i in terms of so i i have i've covered all my questions if you guys have anything else uh just say it and we can talk about that and then we can move on and kind of wrap up um yes. so, yeah i think i think the main things are answered um yeah just like uh, yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, Arjun, anything? Do you have anything to say? I have super no, random no. thoughts that I just want to talk about because now I'm just so. Uh, so since you were talking about uh, boxing, right, and that's something that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So I I was watching, uh, and I don't know if this is something you're interested in. So I I watched the UFC. As I love the I, UFC. Yeah. Right, and so the last card was DC versus Steep. Right, and um, the co-main was Sean Sean O'Malley Sean versus Chito Vera. Yeah, right, yeah. and that Sean fight. So I ankle. think, yeah, yeah he yeah. twisted his ankle. Right, and uh, they said that it broke, but apparently now it hasn't broken. Mm-hmm. But the telling factor there was, I think Sean O'Malley throws a leg kick, which gets checked. Mm-hmm. Right, and then right after that, his he he twists his ankle. Mm-hmm. Right. and what people were saying was odds are his nerve kind of got damaged when he threw that kick and then he kind of rolled his ankle because mm. his ankle was obviously not like compromised at that point mm. um and so because people are trying to take the win away from Chito Vera by saying you know what you didn't do anything he was, yeah, he was, yeah 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 i mean if yeah. you if you're going to be checking a kick and it works then that's the fighter's plus right yeah like, exactly taking it from Chito Vera is not even fair at that point yeah yeah 100% um but you think you think in terms of like you think sports science can give you a better picture of statistics right then you play odds because then you're like you know what if i throw this leg kick there are odds of this happening but to compromise their movement it makes it worth it you know what i mean you play probabilities right yeah, absolutely let's let's take mr uh, adesanya for example he's he's one of my yeah. favorite fighters right yeah, now yeah i believe best striker in the ufc and uh, one of the things uh, you you can notice from uh, like start of the career in the ufc is a lot of people try to take him down yeah and uh, like uh, lately they've realized that his takedown defense is so good that people have stopped trying to take him down like like of course so all of all of those things come into play like uh what what like uh let's take Sean O'Malley for example again uh he's had an ankle injury before so people know for a fact that he is susceptible to an ankle injury and so then leg kicks become a integral part of the opponent's plan yeah. checking kicks becomes an integral part of an opponent's plan so yeah i mean i think at at some level uh we've always done some sort of sports science with fighting but it's probably just that we haven't put a lot of numbers into it now we've started putting numbers into it like like I, you don't you don't like let's say as a, as a fan of the ufc just watching it you don't essentially need to put in numbers to know that some person's outbox the other right? yeah so it's it's more of looking at it and knowing it but when you start putting numbers you know how significant it is if if right. this is significant if this is not significant and all of those things so yeah i think quantifying uh, anything becomes super crucial especially in uh, anything related to fighting yeah also it's it's interesting to see how these guys operate because i think it was the uh, john jones versus thiago santos when they fought and thiago santos threw this leg kick which tears his own acl his yep. um a meniscus and a bunch of other things he tore everything in his knee yep. and he still fought for like he four rounds fought. got it to a split decision right and i think movement I, how his movement wasn't compromised against like how he could go four rounds against the all time light heavyweight goat and odds on yep. like ufc goat right yep. is uh, I, i don't know it's just it's it's unreal the, like the mentality these guys have Just yeah i think as as fighters these guys just have an uh, insane uh, amount of mental fortitude like i i one of my favorite boxers is uh, my favorite boxer period is vesel lomachenko he's from ukraine yeah. Yeah. and uh, during one of his uh, lightweight uh, championship bouts he basically displaced his shoulder and uh, i mean what any normal person would have done was not to throw that shoulder at all but then he kept throwing he kept throwing uh, the jab he he kept throwing that hook 
and what happened was the the shoulder actually went back into place but he tore his entire labrum so and he still ended up winning the fight he still ended up knocking out the opponent using the same hand where he injured his shoulder so at some point i don't know is it the adrenaline rush that stops you from feeling the pain i don't know but i mean but also cases also, don't function the normal way i guess yeah they, they definitely don't also i think vasil lomachenko is such an elite elite athlete right like yep. has, i don't know if you've seen have you ever seen him uh, practice muay thai yeah practice is muay thai he's a wrestler my god that guy is such a like they're all such supreme athletes it's 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 on yeah, i think he he's a very prime example of what can happen if if you actually understand your game well enough right so he was one of those his his dad is his coach and he was one of those boxers uh, uh, who was brought into the gym as a young person and then his dad sent him to learn some uh, ukrainian traditional dancing so and right now he's got the best footwork in boxing like the yeah. guy moves so efficiently uh, he's That's in and awesome. out he, you'll think he's in front of you and when you go for a punch he'll be by banging you by the sides so yeah he angles out like nobody else like his yeah. he he finds angles that are just sublime yeah, yeah no there is two time olympic gold medalist 397 yeah. amateur fights and 1396 of it the one time he lost he's avenged it twice i guess and yeah. i mean uh, these are i think this is what we can get if uh, if you if people understand the science behind it right like yeah. uh, and again necessarily the athlete doesn't have to know the science behind it but knowing the science behind it and quantifying it from a coach's point of view is really good no i i think that makes a lot of sense because if you, if you look at gsp right as the mm-hmm. fighter gsp didn't particularly understand the science behind movement mm-hmm. but he understood martial arts so well yep. that he kind of he didn't have to kind of have numbers to figure out mm-hmm. what he should do and what would like be the most optimal movement and things like that it it didn't have to be in an it didn't have to be an absolute science he treated martial arts as a whole as something that was a science right so he even though it wasn't particularly quantitatively proven or any of that no, at the at the end in sport no matter how much you quantify uh, stuff it's muscle memory it's reflex so that part is also an important side of it no matter what sport you're playing so you could put numbers like here in football you could put numbers on what works best what doesn't but it's the situation it's your reflex what no it's interesting that he said Pavin says that it's important that you don't overburden the athlete with this data and yeah yeah exactly and allow exactly. him or play freely the game that they know and then just a little bit of information in in layman terms simple things to give them a little bit of a competitive advantage mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. a, i think that, in a team that sport the, that as to the evolution of what a coach needs to do nowadays in terms of his yeah. or her i think as a as a coach in a team sport playing the numbers is important like creating situations which work best yeah. rather than asking a player yeah. to continuously do something he's not comfortable with just because the numbers say that's good you know yeah so from from a coach's point of view it's yeah the the crazy thing about this is so since you're talking about fight sports the thing is with with football and basketball and things like that a lot of training so you can train for most things right like situational training is something yeah. that they do on the regular mm-hmm. the problem with fight sports and where like sports psychology comes in is you can never train to get knocked out or knocked down you know what i mean like no you can't practice that like in sparring no one gets hit hard enough to get knocked out Right or knocked out. Uh, they had said, I think it was the Anthony Joshua Ruiz, Andy Ruiz fight, the first fight where Anthony Joshua lost. They had said a few people, not Anthony Joshua, had said that he got knocked out in training, which is what kind of compromised him for his eventual fight, which he had kind of disputed and he said that wasn't yeah. the truth. But yeah, he, he totally denied that, it and he said, uh, like, give the props to Ruiz. Like, he did. Yeah, exactly. He, he said Ruiz was the better man in the night. but the fact is that you can never train to get knocked down you don't know how you would react up until you have to do it on the night right like you have to just see how your body reacts on the night right like whether or not you'll get up 
is something that you decide then. Like it's not something that you like that has happened before or something you train for. And I think that's the beauty of uh, any uh, any form of fighting sport, right? Uh, yeah. In boxing, they always say this: like uh, any any person has a puncher's chance. Like you yeah. always have a, a punch. Like no matter how skilled the uh, opponent on the other side is, if you can catch them with that one perfect punch that will knock them out, you win the fight. Like yeah. Like that's that's Deontay the thing. Wilder has made a career on that that particular concept. Anyway, I think yeah. that's what makes fights also interesting, right? Like uh, Lomachenko's yeah. next fight is with a heavy puncher. Everybody knows that Lomachenko is probably the most skilled fighter that we've seen in a long, long time, probably since Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson, right? But the opponent still has a puncher's chance, and the question comes: Wait, will will all this skill help him get away from that one punch with him? Which can knock him down. Nobody knows. I, I guess that's the beauty of this sport. So uh, it was a great conversation, Praveen. Thanks so much for being with us on the Think Sports podcast. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. So, guys, that's our episode for today. Thanks a lot for listening. At Think Sports, we're dedicated to helping aspirants enter into sports-based careers. If you want to know more, you could head over to our website at www.thinksports.co.in. Also, follow us on all our social media accounts. Links will be in the description below. And feel free to subscribe to our podcast for similar content. We hope to see you next time.